This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson and I'm ready to rob the bank, Charlie. <laughs> you and I are a mirror image of each other. Black hoodies, black caps, ready to start some shit. And then podcast Mike, who was shamed publicly on this podcast last week. You know you're part of the family when we started to make fun of you, what you're wearing on what is basically an audio medium. But uh, last week he was dressed as a member of a, uh, a band, emo band. An emo band, and that got us on to Ricky Mork and his various adventures and so that started quite well so i'm gonna have a look at him this week and he's wearing black he's wearing black he's wearing totally black and is he hiding behind something at the moment i it think seems- he was he just opened he turned his camera on to show us that he was hiding behind masking tape or something like that I don't know what's going on, but I think isolation might have got to podcast Mike, but he is dressed like a younger version of us. He is dressed like when the Wu-Tang Clan had to replace old Dirty Bastard with young Dirty Bastard. (laughs) That's what podcast Mike has come as today. No, no. He's dressed like when Eminem decided to kind of like change his image completely and come out as like young Fidel Castro. That's what podcast, all of a sudden there's no more, there's no more peroxide. There's no more double gold earrings. It's just like, I'm a serious hip hop artist now. I I think actually podcast podcast Mike is dressed like uh, the guy who played Stan for, in the film clip of Stan <laughs> for us this podcast he's like dear Charlie and Will I wrote I wrote to your mailbag but you're three months fucking behind and you haven't got to my letter that's probably what was going on in Stan Eminem wasn't ignoring Stan Eminem was just as yeah. bad as corresponding Eminem had set up a fax machine at his local news agents and the woman wasn't passing <laughs> on the faxes that's what was happening Stan I mean isn't that kind of what he says in the lyrics is like don't think I was you know dissing you man like I've just been busy I'm on, on tour and all that kind of stuff I mean he, he was essentially saying look we're not very he's I'm not very good at reading my, just like Tofop in fact I think that was the original in the uh, unreleased version of Stan he says look just like Tofop I'm not very good at catching up on correspondence he said everyone relaxing I never should have been faxing that's what Eminem said in the original lyrics of Stan can I make a request can you just tilt your camera up like just like oh, a, an inch because I'm, I'm I'm getting your nose and your chin but I'm not getting much of your eyes and that's where I really that's where this podcast really comes alive for me when I can read your eyes no i appreciate that well i've done a lot of podcasts today it's been a very busy day today so i got up at seven o'clock in this morning well i got up before seven o'clock because i had a seven o'clock appointment to do a philosophy episode with a dude who lives in oslo and so it was 11 o'clock at night for him and so he recorded until one o'clock in the morning but i recorded from seven till nine and then i had a 9 15 podcast as well so by like 10 30 i'd already like worked a full day but not in a real job like I was like I'm really like exhausted like someone who has a real job except I have just decided to do these imaginary things that have tired me out is there would there be any reason like you said that me you and Mike look like bank robbers when we jumped on is there any conceivable reason that we would be robbing a bank via zoom like is there a scenario in which we would all appear on someone's zoom chat dressed like this and steal from them like how would that happen if you were to do like an an isolation version of oceans 11 what are we doing what's the scam why are we dressed like this well i guess it's all us all coming together to rob some big uh, online organization so we've got to like you know infiltrate the facebook christmas party or something like that yeah and right like we're going to take down facebook from inside the internet so we're all assembling on zoom so you kind of have originally you just have george clooney like alone on his zoom and he's reaching out to brad pitt and then they're having a zoom conversation together and then suddenly you see can matt damon join the conversation and then one by one the oceans 11 crew come on board and they all have a zoom meeting to plan some heist they're going to do on facebook okay but every one of the oceans 11 dudes has their specialty there's like the electronics guy there's the gymnast there's the bomb guy there's whatever so 
how would you apply that to a Zoom situation? Like what special skills could I, could I have on Zoom right now that would help us in our taking down of Facebook? Okay, well, in this scenario, I think you're the, I'm going to say you're Brad Pitt. You're like okay, you're the like yeah you know, you're the traditionally hot you know actor type and I'm more you I'm happy to be George Clooney in this scenario don't get me wrong there ain't no second prize when it comes to dishing these out and to be honest podcast Mike is Matt Damon so the three of us are already cast <laughs> but then you have to bring in your specialist you have to bring in your James Fosdyke because his speciality is obviously yep. like he's going to do some sort of art. you know art we're going to do some sort of art heist okay. maybe perfect right. that no I think that's our in. That's our in, is that we, as an independent media company, have been negotiating with Facebook about James Fosdyke creating like artwork specifically for Facebook. In the same way that we told that story about the artist who came in and did the mural at Facebook's offices, you know. So they're looking for a cool, new, artistic, you know, the, the, the public image has taken a battering and they want to win people back. And they think the best way to do that is with James Fosdyke's art. So we act as kind of like intermediaries. They're going cha- to change it to uh, Facecock. <laughs> and it's just going to be the Facebook logo, but in penises. Yeah, I was going and to say. James Fosdyke is the only person they can get to do it <laughs> since the dude who used to do those. What was his name? Pickering. Larry Pickering passed on. They were going to get Larry Pickering to do it, but obviously Larry Pickering's gone to burn in the eternal fires of hell, <laughs> and so James Fosdyke is suddenly available. Which Larry Pickering? If you had to pick one illustration that is burnt into your memory. Which one would it be of all the Larry Pickering images? I can't remember the specific tennis player was, but it was a oh, tennis player. That's exactly the testicles one. as the tennis balls. I can tell you it was Ivan Lendl. Yes, and that is exactly the one that sticks. <laughs> There's something kind of horrifying about it. It's like some kind of ironic punishment you'd find a tennis player doing in hell. He's just forced for eternity to serve his own balls in a tennis match. Well, maybe that's what, because Larry Pickering was a terrible person and one of the few human beings that you can definitely guarantee if there is the hell was going straight there maybe he was already the undead walking on our planet serving out some sort of demonic penitence where right. he was like you know so like Ivan Lendl for example became the you know best tennis player in the world even though he was like quite a boring uh you know tennis player and personality maybe he did some unholy deal with the devil uh in order to become the world's number one but in retribution, like he was going to have to spend eternity in the fires of hell and Larry Pickering was like the harbinger of what his fate would be. So he was just drawing right. this is what you're going to be doing for all of eternity while you burn in hell. Yeah, right. I get it. So he's some kind of, uh, what do they call it? Like a herald from hell. He's like a, a, a right. s- some kind of demonic being who's cursed to walk this earth doing grotesque caricatures of people. Cartoons. <laughs> Yeah, but his ironic punishment would, like before he made the deal with the devil, maybe he was like it was in the 17th century, he was a, like a court illustrator or something, but he never rose up the ranks and he made a deal with the devil to become a very successful illustrator. But the two things were he'd be drawing grotesque caricatures of people in the nude, but he would never be able to stop drawing. His hand was always drawing. What's the famous um, book about the portrait in the attic? Uh, Oscar Wilde, um, right? Dorian um, Gray. Yeah, so uh, the portrait, portrait of Dorian, Dorian Gray. Gray. So, so I feel like it's a Dorian Gray style situation where, like, Ivan gets to in his real life become you know this world number one tennis player, but his reality, what he is actually becoming, is the Larry Pickering cartoon no. of him using his <laughs> testicles. What <laughs> What I love about that though is in Dorian Gray, the portrait starts off looking like Dorian looks, which is young and handsome, and then it ages and gets more yep. decrepit and rotting as he as he gets older. So at some point, that was a beautiful <laughs> portrait of Ivan Lendl, like serving at Wimbledon, you know, drawn by a reputable artist, beautiful oil work painting. And then over time, the ball he is serving just slowly morphs into his ball, his, his own scrotum. Because <laughs> from memory, maybe... Right. From memory, the drawing... The more successful he becomes, and this is the bargain he's entered into. So every time he wins a tournament, he goes, well, at this stage, my ball's still in my shorts. Like, it's comically enlarged, and it looks a little bit like a tennis ball, but it's still up the leg of my shorts. If I quit now, after winning one title then I could just go on with my life like that. But much like Dorian Gray, he can't just quit at one. And it, and every time he wins a tournament, the portrait becomes more and more grotesque. Right. And that if you noticed in Ivan Lendl's career, his shorts got baggier and baggier <laughs> until he was just wearing full-length right. cricket whites. 
in his in his final two years of playing tennis. Is it fine, Lendl playing in hammer pants? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was watching. Speaking of, uh, uh, well, I guess not the fires of hell, but uh, legendary figures. I was just watching Sir Michael Caine and. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman on an episode of um, uh, what's the English talk show? Uh, Graham Norton. Uh, Gar- Graham Norton, and it is a masterclass in just seeing two old professionals like you know working together on a talk show. They are so funny together. You could you would just happily go and watch. Like if they took that Graham Norton show on tour, they did this one bit where they got Morgan Freeman to do a. Shawshank style narration about the experience of appearing on the Graham Norton show and it's honestly one of the funniest sketch I would like just go take that on tour just do this every night 150 bucks a night were they promoting that old man heist movie that they did a couple of years ago was it a repeat you were watching or is there something new that they're doing together yeah it was a repeat no, they had an audience. It was like I was. I wanted some feel-good television. I want right. to go back to a time where Graham Norton could have seven hundred people in a crowd, and mm-hmm. um, Sir Michael Caine, and two of the men with two of the best voices in acting. But they spend the entire thing doing acting tips, like giving yeah. all these tips about not blinking and what eye you stare at, and telling these incredible stories. But just the the way that they are together, Michael all chatty, and then. Uh, Morgan all sort of reserved Dry. and snide and they're just hilarious together. So good. Graham Norton is an incredible interviewer. Like I, it is, Ugh. you're right, it's the best comfort television. If you just want a dose of kind of like charming celebrity interactions, he's, his skill at getting people to be comfortable enough that he can do stupid things like the narration or whatever it happens so effortlessly. Like you never see a, a guest in that show feel embarrassed or refuse to do something. Like he creates this atmosphere where they all think it's like, oh, hey, this is a really great idea. Uh, even the sketch itself, it was so making fun of Graham. Like it was a perfectly written sketch because it was kind of as if Morgan Freeman didn't want to do the bit. But right. he was doing the bit perfectly, but there it was written as if he was like, you know, just completely, you know, taking down Graham. It's a very cleverly put together show. You, um, I put you on to Hot Ones a few weeks ago. Um, I've been yep. periodically dipping into that. That Sean Evans guy, he's such a great interviewer. Like, have you noticed how many times like a celebrity will stop at about the second or third question and go, wow, like, that's a really good question. And his ability, it's very similar to Graham Norton in that because he seems to, he approaches it with a fresh take and he does his research. That's, you know, he, he'll find quotes from old interviews or whatever, but his approach is so sincere. Like you, you, you don't feel any artifice about the way he's asking the question. There seems to be a genuine interest in, well, I noticed you've done these kind of films. Do you think that relates to when you were a kid and you played, you know, football and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, even if he's way off, the setup of the question is so brilliant that the person wants to talk about it anyway. Well, I think that they're being engaged on a level that they don't normally get engaged. They're being asked exactly the same questions all the time. It's why I don't like getting a person who's on a book tour or a media tour to do philosophy. Yeah, right. Like sometimes we have no other choice. But if they're in the middle of a tour, they're just so used to answering all the same questions in all the same ways that they're not really engaging on that. So he's got two things going for him. One, he's got the meeting hot wings. Mm. So they're already, you know, in a situation where they're being a little disorientated. And then he does the question equivalent of blindfolding somebody and spinning them around yes. in a circle. Because every question starts... Like, I imagine if I was being asked questions by him, he'd be like, Will, so you uh, grew up on a farm and you're like, okay, he's going to be asking me about the farm. My brain goes into, I'm going to have some funny, you know, thing that I say about growing up on the farm. And uh, farming uh, is a very important part of uh, modern agriculture. You know, speaking of cows, you had a holiday in cows and you and Chris Hemsworth (laughs) both barracked for the Western Bulldogs and he lived in Phillip Island, which is also named Cows. So how did you become a Bulldogs fan? And you're like, what? What just happened? (laughs) It's brilliant. And I do love that idea that the more more pain you're in, the more honest you become. Like it really, 
That's the best yeah. part. Like well, that, that, that's the Guantanamo, the Guantanamo Bay attitude, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I never thought about it like that, but you're right. It's torturing I mean, your guess. It's not as fun, but it is basically the same principle, which is the more pain you're in, the more honest your answers will be. Do you think, like, people must be looking at that show and what a huge success was, because I've been looking at it going, my God, that concept is so brilliant, and it just makes you want to watch them, yeah. you know, binge it. But it's like, I wonder what, what else could you do what, with that format? So a sit-down chat with a challenge of, you know, getting intoxicated on spices or alcohol or drugs or whatever. Like, illegally, what could you pitch? Like, I know that um, Doug Benson does his uh, podcast, right? Or is it a video podcast? Yeah, getting uh, Doug with high. It's yeah. A, yeah, like I've done that program and it, that you, it's a traditional Graham Norton style talk show except that instead of drinking alcohol like they do on Graham Norton, um, you consume legally uh, cannabis in so many different forms and in so many different strengths and the interview dissolves as as it goes on. Some big celebrities have done it. There's some really funny, funny episodes of it and it's great to see someone who isn't, like kind of freaks out halfway through yeah. like when you see Jack Black or someone and they just like are like oh hang on I've got myself in a really terrible situation yeah I think that I, that would that the paranoia of that would freak me out too much I think it's like I would say something and immediately regret it and then silently be ruminating on that thing that I said and wondering if I need to bail out of it or explain it and not listening anymore and start freaking out and it's all on camera I just think it would make me too paranoid you know the only thing I was paranoid about doing the show, and I was doing it with this like amazing comedian called Gary Gulman, who did uh, stand up tips every day on Twitter. He's like one of the most respected comedians in the world, and a great guy, Gary. And um, so it was me and him, and I, I remember this because we never had more fun because it was the most stoned I've ever felt in my life. Firstly, because you've got all this like high class A grade, like, you know, weed that's been supplied for the show, but you're also smoking it in all these various ways. There's like joints and pipes and bongs and increasingly ridiculous, like, you know, big bongs. And of course, Doug is such a seasoned stoner that he just like leads the way the whole way. So you feel like if you're not keeping up with Doug, you're not in the spirit of the show. And my big paranoia was that I would let down Australia. <laughs> Like, honestly, I, I didn't want to be like, because I was the first Australian who got on the show and I didn't want to like disappoint our Green international out, reputation <laughs> by like, right? So for the week before, I, like, I, I honestly went into training. I went down to my local weed shop and I got so much shit and I was smoking it in ways that I'd never normally smoke it and trying to hold my shit together. Like I was really like, I'm going to get my lungs ready for the big day. Oh man, I know in 2004 they used to send hero faxes to Olympic athletes, but you should have been getting the hero faxes. Just people going, you can do it, Will, we believe in you. So you do this show, like you've got to be like you had, because then it was only medicinal. So you had to have a medicinal card, but I did. And to, to do the show and they had like this amazing like snacks, like all they had for like, you know, catering for the crew and cast and stuff was just snacks. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Like, so it, yeah, of course. So if it's medicinal, right, but you're smoking like a bunch of different weed and stuff like medicine has like recommended doses right like if i did a show that was about hey let's all take uh we've all got prescriptions to take endo <laughs> there would be a certain num a number legally we could take or that we you know suddenly we're into irresponsible territory how do they factor against that i mean it's a fair point you make <laughs> <laughs> i'm just wondering because i'm i'm honestly like if it was any other kind of medicine you'd be like well yeah you know, they just, you're meant to control the amount you take over a certain period of time. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I must admit that my hips didn't hurt. So I guess <laughs> I remember they they obviously send you a car, you know, because you can't drive. And, it, you know, really nice car. You take home all the snacks you want. And I just remember going home after the show. And I think probably a combination of the amount of, like, weed I consumed, but also the fact that you'd been doing a show while you've been doing it. So there's that sort of like, it's not a normal circumstance of just sitting around and like smoking some pot. This is like, you are actually doing a performance as you're consuming it. So you've got all the adrenaline that's working in your body when you're doing a performance kind of being immediately counteracted with this other thing. And I remember afterwards just feeling, I was like, wow, whatever this feeling is, <laughs> is something that you could easily get addicted to this. 
Like, you know, like you'd only smoke bongs going, like you go up to the treadmill in the gym and like turn it up to 11 and rip a bong. You're like, this is the only way that I can do this now. When I was like in my early 20s, I remember I came back to Melbourne for a few weeks over Christmas and I was flat broke. And so I just put a word out to all my mates, like, you know, if there's any work going, you know, I'll do work site, whatever, just I need some cash. So my mate's brother ran a lawn mowing business and gave me like a week's work. So I just spent, you know, a week with him going out and mowing lawns. And um, at the end of the week, we went back for knockoff beers at his place, like Friday afternoon. Um, we get to his place, and we're just listening to music and drinking beers and stuff. And um, he rolls a joint, so we have a joint. And then... I'm like sitting there going, wow, that was like really strong. And he's like, oh, yeah, I grow my own. And he shows me his little setup and stuff. And then he says, okay, so uh, you did five days work. So we agreed to blah, 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 blah. And I think it was like, I don't know, 600 bucks or something like that. And he's gone, all right. So well, I could give you 600 cash or I could give you 400 and like, you know, <laughs> this bag of weed. And I remember being like, I was like really getting sort of paranoid and stoned and I'm like, no, no, I think I just want the cash. I just want the cash. He's like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Let's have another joint. And we had another joint. Next thing I remember waking up on my bed at home with like 300 bucks, an enormous bag of weed that I couldn't take with me because I was flying back to Sydney. So basically he's taking you from 200, like 200 down to 300 at some point. Yeah. You've gone, no, 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 no. I agree to yours, but I raise you. Actually, all I want is 300 and all this weed I can't do anything with. And that's where the basis of uh, the, the TOEFOP's top negotiator started. <laughs> what do you reckon about this for an internet idea, like an internet TV uh -huh. show, if we'd steal the format of Hot Ones? What if each week you get onto a roller coaster with a celebrity and you sit up the very front and you ask them questions as you go round and round the roller coaster, and as like the, the the rides get the what do you call them the loops and stuff get more extreme, that's when you start hitting them with the hard hitting questions. Like make that the equivalent of the super hot chili, the super hot Scoville. Can't have Peter Dinklage on though because he won't be above the right height <laughs> to go on the rides. So, like I feel like that's discriminatory. Plus, it seems like a lot of effort. That's the problem. Like to get on a roller coaster. Like the great thing about Hot Ones is like you can just do it at home. I, I think you're thinking too hard about this. I think we just go the opposite direction. Cold ones. Okay. Cold ones. So, a couple of beers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, in things that are increasingly cold. So, okay. So uh, you start, start with, with something that's like room temperature. Um, like a, a no, banana. Like some, something out of the fridge. Like yeah, a banana or some yogurt or something out of the fridge. Okay. All right, bowl of yogurt, a little yeah, scoop bowl of yogurt, of yogurt. A, spoon, a spoonful of yogurt. You only need to take a bite. Yeah. Spoonful of yogurt. All right, then one, um, what's next and, colder than that? <laughs> okay, then um, it's Got to come up ice with cream. <laughs> uh, yeah, ice cream's colder than yogurt, at least to my to my yep. taste. Yep. Although we've gone from fridge to freezer. Have we done that too soon? Is there colder stuff we could find in the fridge before we go to the freezer? So what's colder than yogurt okay. that you keep in the fridge? can of coke um <laughs> well yeah some sort of a liquid so yeah so you have to have some yogurt and then a can of coke <laughs> uh, is there anything colder than that but not at a freezer level yet just exploring all options what about a grape that you keep in the fridge is that colder than a can of coke i reckon it is Ooh. or a wet cloth i reckon a, a, i <laughs> reckon a frozen a grape <laughs> I reckon a frozen grape is colder than ice cream. So once we get to the freezer, I think we can put grape in, in front of ice cream. But I'm not sure that like a cold grape out of the fridge is colder than a can of Coke. So, all right. Well, is there anything colder than liquid, like colder than a can of Coke in the fridge? I'm sure people yeah. listening are screaming a, right now. A, can of, a, 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 a glass of Coke with some ice in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you go from a can of Coke to it. Yeah, that's good because you need a transitional moment. So you go yeah. yogurt, Coke, a glass of Coke with some ice in it. <laughs> that's only yeah. like, how some, many is that? Three? Then some frozen, then some frozen grapes. Or what about a Slurpee? No, that's colder than um, ice cream. A Slurpee, I okay. All right. Okay. Well. Um, all right. Let's go to ice cream then. From ice cream from a glass of Coke with ice in it. No, glass of Coke with ice, um, frozen grapes, ice cream. Then, okay. And then I would say you get to Slurpee. Hang on. I thought you said frozen grapes were colder than ice cream. Nah. Frozen grapes come in between um, a can of Coke with ice in it. 
and ice cream. I'd love to see this is us in the offices of YouTube pitching our show. There's just a guy on the other side of the desk just listening to us ramble for the last three minutes, trying to nut it out. And he's like, you guys could have worked out your, your, your concept before you asked for this meeting. No, no, wait, wait. Mate. So frozen grape, ice cream. What are, where does fish fingers come into it? No, I think fish fingers is before frozen grape. Okay, no, no. Oh, yeah, maybe. Okay, so, all right. Yogurt. <laughs> Can of Coke, glass of Coke with ice in it, fish fingers, frozen grapes, <laughs> ice cream, <laughs> Slurpy. Slurpy. Okay, is that six? I think that's six, right? Yeah. Yogurt. Um, wait, yogurt, can of Coke, glass of Coke yeah. with ice in it, uh, fish fingers, frozen grape, yeah. ice cream. Slurpy. Slurpy. All right, cool. There's only three to go, but... This is where in Hot Ones they get to de-bomb. The last three, it jumps up a notch. So I think we can get into like territory where the it's so cold it hurts, like dry ice or um, some kind of chemical something or another that is colder than freezing that will hurt. Okay, so f- like second to last, you have to lick it like an iceberg, like a, some frozen ice. Okay. Like, you know, so and then last they shoot um, – yeah, but what's the uh, bomb? What's the third to last? I don't know. I know the last okay. they shoot liquid nitrogen in your mouth. <laughs> so second to last, you have to lick an iceberg, and last they okay. shoot liquid nitrogen in your well, mouth. Well, is it lick what an is iceberg? Is it lick an iceberg or, or lick a frozen metal pole? You know how you do that and your tongue sticks to it? It's easier. You're right. The, the dumb yeah. and dumber. You do the yeah. dumb and dumber. Yeah. Yeah. You got to lick ice off a frozen pole is the second to last liquid nitrogen. So what's the de bomb? What what jumps it up? Is it just ice? You got to eat ice. Yeah, you, you but you got a slurpy though. Is ice colder yeah. than a slurpy? Well, an unslurpied slurpy. So like a thick, <laughs> no the thick shake, the thick shake version of a slurpy. Okay. Oh, we didn't put thick shake in there. I mean, is thick shake colder than ice cream? <laughs> I think it feels colder. So, okay. So, you do ice cream, thick shake, slurpy. That makes more sense. And okay. then you jump up uh, to... Yeah, well, no, slurpy would be the transition Liqui- to metal, icy metal okay. pole. And then liquid nitrogen. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Slurpy, icy metal, metal pole, liquid nitrogen, and spray directly <laughs> in your mouth. <clears throat> I think that's the problem with our show, though, is the last step will kill you. Or at least your, your tongue will break off as you're trying to plug your show. I know, but how fucking watchable is that? You get people only, watching right till the end. We only got one episode, but fuck, it was a good one. Every, like everyone in the world seen it. It was Who's on the, the first. We made Harrison Ford's tongue drop off. <laughs> I was going to ask. So we know we're only going to get one guest because as soon as the news gets out that our guest died or his tongue froze and broke off. <clears throat> so we get to invite one guest. Maybe this, maybe this is... Tie it back to Facebook. Maybe this is why we're uh, we're trying to hack Facebook. Is we want to uh, put this person on like you know part of the marketing strategy for Facebook to make people realize how horrible Facebook is. That they can they don't do enough censoring of of offensive material. So we make this video of a of a celebrity having their tongue freeze and break off. So who do we pick? Well, I th- no, I think you you're you've got the right idea, but you're short sighted. Okay, thank you. This, we're all getting together to hack into Facebook to get Mark Zuckerberg to go on the TV on the ah. show, Cold Ones. So we're convincing Mark Zuckerberg that they need to hit like Hot Ones. Yeah, and and it's called Cold Ones, and he should be the first guest. And then That's we get brilliant. him on, and as he's increasingly eating cold things, we ask him awkward questions about the nature of his business <laughs> until eventually we make his tongue fall out. <laughs> It's good content. It's really good stuff. I really like it. I think I know what James Fosdyke's artwork's going to be this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need I need your input, Will. Okay. Uh, as you know, I'm a person who's prone to uh, uh, both grumpy outbursts and then uh, 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 moments of reflection. Um, yeah. So I had two incidents happen last week that were just days apart in which my reaction was completely different and I've been trying to figure out why. Um, last Sunday I got my hair cut and I've been growing my hair out for a while and I sort of quite liked my look. I was going for a bit of a the dad from the OC. That was the look I was going for, the long sort of sweeping oh, yeah. hair. And so I've been letting it growing, but it gets to a point where it starts getting all mullety and feathery and you've got to get it trimmed. So I went to see my local barber, who I, I see all the time. I haven't seen her in a few months, obviously. And... 
So we sit in the chair and she's like, okay, so your hair's really long. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I've been growing it out. So I just really want to keep the length and trim it right up. And she's like, cool, cool. So then she sort of sizes me up and she looks at my ear and she's going, so you want it above, do you want it over the ears or like, you know, above the ear? And I was like, well, I don't want it like hanging down the sides like Liam Gallagher. I want it, you know, long, but swept back. So I was like, over the ear. She's So she's like, cool. And she just grabs like a bunch of hair from the side and just like just straight away takes this big chunk out of my hair immediately like take take so much hair in that first cut that it's like well at least when i noticed how much hair she was taking it's like well i can't it's too late now that side is now short or it's it's short enough that she has to go with the other side so i'm sitting there going oh fuck like she's completely misheard me or there was some kind of misunderstanding or whatever but now She's cutting my hair. And so I, I spent the next like 20 minutes to half an hour just sitting there watching myself get a haircut that I didn't want and thinking like, well, it, the horse is bolted, man. So what are you going to say? Hey, stop. You're going to make her feel bad. And, you know, then she's going to probably be nervous about finishing the rest of the haircut. And so I just I just sat there and got this haircut that I didn't want and sort of went home and I was like, oh, should I say something? Like, was that bad service? I was like, I think she just... She just misunderstood or maybe she's so used to always cutting my hair the way that, you know, she always cuts it. She wasn't thinking. But I was like, what what would you do, Will? What would you do in that scenario? Firstly, I think this is the show. We get celebrities in a hairdressing chair and we give them... That's a great idea. We give them haircuts that they might not necessarily want. And they have to conduct the interview while they're getting a haircut that they might not want. We call it cut ones. <laughs> Are you the guys who were just in here pitching cold ones? Are you guys just going through the dictionary? Duck <laughs> ones. Putting something in front of ones. <laughs> Dog ones. Egg ones. Um, what do you want? <laughs> Fart ones. When I used to watch uh, America's Next Top Model, my favorite episode was always the makeover one. Yeah. Because it was always some girl who had really long hair who would have to get it cut and she'd always be like crying and I used to always be like oh man come on like you're a model and you've seen this show before you know someone's going to get your hair cut but finally Will in massive schadenfreude as I sat in that chair in a hairdresser's where I knew I was going to get my hair cut and she started cutting into it I actually felt genuine I didn't start crying but I felt genuinely sad watching that hair that I'd worked so hard to grow just fall to the floor I think that I mean from the way you've described it it feels like a miscommunication. When she's asked yes. above the ear, you've said above the ear and you've imagined that means to sweep back behind your ear, but she's imagined yeah. that that means no, cut it shorter, you know, above my ear, right? She's asked the question. Yeah. You've given her an answer that she has misinterpreted. So it's just a mistake, you know, no harm done, not worth following up, not worth creating an issue. I would have probably, when she took that first big cut out Snip. gone oh not that much and seen what <laughs> seen what she could have done from then on to recover from the earlier mistake like you know as in well, is the there only- a way to salvage this like can it be a bit shorter on one side or whatever and that'll be like a cool look i'll keep it long on the other side but i'll have it a bit shorter on this side and it's like this is what everyone's doing I, right now i can join podcast mike's emo band with my head sort of shaved on one side and long on the other right how, how would have Gemma gone if you'd gone home shaved on one side and long on the other she's done that uh yeah, she'd love it. She'd, anything that's unconventional. She she doesn't like my hair the way it is because it's, it's a very conventional short back and sides. It, I mean, I, I agree that she misheard, but I clearly said I want to keep the length. So even if she thought above the ear, you would have thought that on top she would have left it longer, but she didn't. Like, I just have a short haircut now. and I know, but that's when you needed to step in and re-clarify. Yeah. After well, the initial snip, you have to go, have you, actually, I'd really like to keep a bit more length in it. So like, let's keep some of on the top, for example. Because that's what I mean. I, I'm growing my hair out again a bit on top. And so I get it cut up the sides and then I'm like leaving it a bit longer on the top. So that's just what I tell him. And then that's what he does. I think the reason I didn't say anything is I've been in that situation before at the hairdressers where I have gone in for something that I'm not sure it's going to look. And I've seen them start and I've gotten nervy and been like, uh, and then they've pulled it off. And I'm like, oh, they were just going, you know, they had a, a process they were going through. Like, so I thought maybe oh, there's something she's doing that I, I'm not seeing. Like she's playing four dimensional chess with my hair and I'm just not seeing it. 
There's a way she's going to cut it really short that'll make it look really long. I've got to be honest <laughs> with you. Amazing. I understand the idea of leaving the artists at work and leaving them to their own muse, but do you really think that it's going to interrupt the glory and majesty of this haircut if you went, hey, actually, maybe leave some of it a bit longer than that? Oh, I don't know. I just, I just, I think what it was was I was too indecisive. Like I was having that conversation in my head, but. Time is of the essence when you're getting a haircut because with every second that passes, another little snip, 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 snip. So even if it took me 10 seconds to make up my mind whether or not to say anything, by then she had already like removed a lot of the hair from the side of my head. You can ask them to pause. It's not one, like hairdressing isn't perpetual motion. Yeah. Like you could have actually, she could have just taken a snip and you could have gone, hang on a sec. I just want to see if this is like too short. Like you could have, you know, like... Or could, interrupted that without like it being an insult. Could I have shrieked like Rain Man style, like shrieked and stood up on my chair? Pretended there was like a bug or something. Ah, oh, there we go. Slapped her hand away, shrieking. Ah, a bug. <laughs> oh, I think there was a bug. And then like, while we've stopped down, not quite that short. <laughs> so there's that response to that incident where yeah. I was very considered and came home and was like, ah, oh, God damn it. Like, I'm not happy with this haircut, but you know what? Clear miscommunication. The onus was on me to have said something earlier and I didn't do that. Right. So, you know, buyer beware. A couple of days later, um, I have a little voiceover job in the city. And so, uh, Jem's working a lot at the moment. So, I had the kid, Iona, with me. And it's like, okay, how am I going to make this happen? Because I need someone to come with me out to this recording studio just to mind Iona for an hour or two while I do this voiceover. And it's a lot of organization and ringing around and it was a short notice kind of job and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, um, our mate Cam Knight uh, very kindly volunteers to babysit for me for an hour while I go do this voiceover. So we drive to the other side of town and that's the other thing. Like I'm already on edge because in Sydney, if you ever have to cross the bridge, it's already like, feels like a big day. It feels like you're on your way to Mordor. It's such a long journey. So I've gone across the bridge and, um, uh, and I was really conscious of like, you know, getting there on time. Cause I've got, when you got a kid, you got a pram, you got like a kit bag, you got like a bottle, you got the toys. I'm trying to time it to get there to have a nap on the way. There's all this stuff that's going on in my mind. I'm very tactically minded. But we arrive at the studio with like 15 minutes to spare, get a park right outside a cafe. Perfect. Cam can sit in there with the baby while I go over there. It's all looking great. So get out of the car and it's a sort of an industrial area, very quiet. And so a lot of parks everywhere. And so I'm getting anything out of the pram and setting it up and then getting the, and also while I'm doing all this, I'm just sort of, Iona and Cam have never spent any time together. So getting them familiar with each other and giving Cam instructions on, okay, well, you know, it's 10, 15 now. So, you know, she's going to have a bottle. And then if you could take her for a while, all this kind of stuff's going on. My mind's working a million miles an hour. So as I'm unpacking everything, I'm like, okay, the parking meter, it's one of those ones where it's like way, way, way down the end of the street. And I was like, I'll just get Cam into the cafe. I'll get him set up. And once Iona's comfortable with him, I'll go out and get a ticket, go to this recording. So we get into the cafe Cam gets set up, um, giving her the bottle. It's all going fine. And then I look out the window and I see a parking inspector. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I hand Iona over to Cam. She starts crying, have to settle her for a bit. The guy walks past. I'm like, okay. So I get out of the car. And so I let him go past me and I run up to the parking meter and I buy a ticket. And then I take the ticket and I run into my car as he's taking the photo. And I'm like, mate, 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 mate. And he turns around and he's like, uh, is this your car? And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, look, sorry, i got my baby with me. Uh, she's staying with a babysitter she's never stayed with before. I just haven't wanted to get them set up, but I'm, here's the ticket now. And he's like, no, it's too late. And I was like, what do you mean too late? Like, you saw me buying a ticket. Like, obviously, you knew that I was buying a ticket for the car. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but you saw me in the cafe and you decided to only buy a ticket then. And I was like... No, 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 that's not what happened. I said, I literally just got set up in the cafe. You don't understand. I've got a baby. I'm doing a job. You know, I did the whole thing. And he was like, you could sense that he felt slighted. Like this was, he, he wanted payback. Like he'd seen a guy thinking he was going to get away with not buying a ticket. And so he was going to make sure that he nailed me. And so I said, but when you saw me buying the ticket, I'm the only car on the street. Who do you, th like, what do you think I was doing? Like, and 
He then changed his tact because I pointed out, you could see Cam in the window holding a baby. Like clearly my story checked out. But then he starts backtracking and being like, well, it's too late now, but there's a number on the back that you can call and you can, you know, uh, you can write in to appeal your case. And I've done this before. Like I've written in, this is a fucking, they make it as hard as they possibly can. So you just say, fuck it. And you pay the fine. I know that this is not going to be an easy thing. And I'm like, mate, I said, you saw me like coming out of that cafe. You can see my kid. I'm telling you the truth. Like, and this guy just kept saying, look, if you just call that number. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to call that number. I want you to just cancel that ticket. He's like, I can't. I was like, why can't you? Why have they not given you the flexibility to cancel the ticket? He's like, I can't. But listen, if you just call that number. And I said, listen, the only thing I want to hear from you is if I call that number, they're going to say, hey, sorry, the guy made a huge fucking mistake and there's no fine. Will that happen if I call that number? And he's like, well, no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to state your case. I'm like, you know what? Get fucked. And then he's like, hey, buddy, buddy, you don't have to talk to me like that. And I'm like, no, I will talk to you like that. Get fucked. And then he followed me. He's like, do you want the answer of like what to do? I'm like, I don't want to hear anything more from you. I don't want to hear anything more. Got into the cafe and Cam's like, you look angry. <laughs> I said, yeah, I just had a run in with this fucking guy. And so the guy like huffs off and I'm just sitting there going, God damn it. Then I'm getting all annoyed at myself. Like, why don't I just fucking cross the street and walk down to get to the parking? Why don't I just buy the fucking ticket? Then I have to go do this voiceover. And so I go in to this recording session and the, you know, the, uh, the panel operators are okay. And we, and I'm still fucking fuming. So like the first read through I do is like, you know, what's on sale today? Like my chest is so tight. Like I'm so angry. Come and buy some fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. What are you looking at? <laughs> yeah. It was like a fucking wrestling promo. It's like, I will fucking kill every single one of you. And the dude's like, hey, man, um, your voice, you sound just a bit tight, like a bit, you know, do you want to just relax? And so I said, hey, can I just come out and talk to you for a second? So I came out and said, look, I'm just going to get something off my chest. You don't have to listen, but just let me. And so I was like, this fucking guy and I went on this huge fucking rant. And this dude was like loving it. He was this like, he must do a bunch of these records a day, but to have a guy come in and just literally rant and rave like a fucking maniac. And I was like, okay, cool. I can do it. And then went and did a fine read. In fact, it was actually quite a good vocal warm up. I feel like I opened up my chest with all that huffing and puffing. But then on the drive home, I'm like, fuck that guy, you know, fuck this, fuck everything. I'm going to contest. I'm going to like, I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm going to pretend I'm a lawyer for a week and just fucking contest this thing. <laughs> You're like, sir, you don't need to do that. You just actually can <laughs> read this number. number. You don't, no, I'm doing a seven year law degree. And I even did something I regret, which is I went on Twitter and I fucking ranted about it, which I hardly ever do. I don't like doing that, but I was just feeling like I had to fucking be heard. I was so angry. I almost like, I wanted to tag in whatever, whoever the parking inspecting company was. And then the next day I sort of woke up and I'm still pretty angry. And I talked to Jem about it and Jem was like, but you're in the wrong. And I was like, yeah, I know, but they're extending interest. Like, yeah, but you're in the wrong. Like he, his job is to tag cars that don't have tickets. And she's gone, why don't you just pay the fine? And I was like, no, because, you know, it's not about the money. It's about standing out. And she's like, yes, but technically <laughs> you're in the wrong. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Why did it take me so long to reach that conclusion? I, I don't know if it was the stress of the day and getting there. And, you know, I felt like I had timed everything perfectly. And it was going to be like Ocean's Eleven style, the perfect crime. Like every, every part of the, every cog in the machine was working. And then this one kind of monkey wrench was thrown in there okay firstly fucking in the middle of a global pandemic when only three people are going out of the house to fucking work there is no need for parking inspectors now if your argument is that there's still some areas around like you know high pressure environments things that need to be accessed quickly all those sort of things emergency services absolutely have a few parking inspectors down there make sure that you know no idiots parking their car in a, a loading bay or like an emergency service worker dock or those sort of things fine but send people to those areas you've described a scenario where yours was the only car in this entire car park so he's you you're at an unfair advantage because ordinarily if the need for a parking inspector is this right and I understand that there is a need in that if it's a high, you know, low parking, high traffic area and they need to turn over people, they can't have people just parking their cars there all day long. There is some need for that and justification for his job. I am fine Dude, with that. This street had 12 hour parking, 12 hour parking. <laughs> like that's how low traffic it was. So it has 12 hour parking. You're the only car on the entire fucking street. We're in the middle of a global pandemic that guy should not be working. 
I'm saying that guy should get paid. His employer should be, you know, like, you know, paying him money for not going out and doing his job. But the idea that somebody's out in the middle of a global pandemic, walking all over the place and, you know, being out in public when it's completely unnecessary for them to be out in public is fucking ridiculous. Secondly, you've like you said, it's a 12-hour park, which is basically fucking free parking. Like that's the lowest impact parking there is for paid parking, a fucking 12-hour park, right? They're saying, look... We'd like some money if you stay here, but don't worry. You can stay here all fucking day if you want to. Nobody else really wants to park here. We're glad to have your bucks, right? You've got a fucking baby. You're trying to, like, survive in the middle of a global pandemic and fucking, like, you know, go to work and look after a baby and you're clearly there. You've already paid for the ticket, right? So it's not like you haven't... Like, all they actually want you to do is pay for the ticket. Have you paid for the fucking Mm. ticket? The only excuse that this dude has is if the company themselves have made it impossible for the ticket collectors to refund it. If there is genuinely in their software or whatever, no, once you push that button, now it is the company's problem and it is not your problem anymore, then fuck the company is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, don't hate the man. It might be He might be telling you the truth. Maybe once he pushes yeah. that button, it's actually really difficult for him to have to reverse it and then he has to explain it at work and blah, blah, blah. It's And it's just easier for the company to run their fucking scam where they get you to ring this number and then pay the fucking fine anyway, right? The company yeah. are like, oh, blame it on us and we'll take the blame because we're a big faceless corporation and you're never going to get to the fucking heart of it, right? So yeah. fuck the company is what I'm probably saying. I reckon fuck the company... <laughs> And that guy was the representative of that company on that day and he copped it. But if you sign up to become a parking inspector, then I've got to be honest with you. I, I think that is manifestly unfair, like what happened to you. Fuck, you know fuck that system. Said? Fuck that guy. Fuck that company is what I think. <laughs> you, know what he, you know what he said to me as well, which was just like, Oh man, because I, I was explaining the whole situation of like you know this everything I was unloading from the car and the fact that I, you right. know, I had ten minutes to where I had to be at this appointment and you know I was under pressure, and he was like, "Mate, mate, I get it. I'm a father too." <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck, fuck you! Don't try and like cozy up to me like we have a boy. You just fucking have cost me a hundred and fifteen bucks." Also, you know what the idea is? That parking fucking tickets are meant to be if it like to stop everybody parking there and getting in the way of other people. There was no one else there. If all those other bays, I argue, your honour, if all those other bays had been full of cars, which is the purpose of a ticket inspector, the ticket inspector would not have had time to get to the car before Charlie got to the car. In fact, it was the very fact that there was no need for the ticket inspector that enabled the ticket inspector to get there in record fucking time because he didn't need to look at any other fucking cars on the way. And I argue that is an unfair advantage. This is a perversion of natural justice, Your Honour. I am no big city lawyer or any lawyer (laughs) at all, but I feel if I yell at you... I think what happened, if, like, my reading of the situation is that this guy made it personal when he saw me running out of the cafe to get to the to the ticket machine he saw like a fugitive he saw someone willingly breaking the law and so was like well fuck this guy these are the rules then he takes a photo and i believe him when he says he couldn't reverse it i think it probably is one of those things where the company takes uh, ownership of that so they don't have to deal with it but then when my story checked out because you could see clearly like, you know, my friend holding my baby and all this kind of stuff. I think he regretted his profiling of me and was trying his best to say, look, I think if you call this number and explain the situation, you know, they'll let you off. But it was too late by then. Like because he had because he had profiled me to begin with, because he had made this assumption and wanted to fuck me over a little bit. He got me so angry that then he could not reason with me. I say we frame it as a hate crime. I say we, t- we we tell them that he saw you and Cam with the baby and as a father himself, he was repulsed by it and he sprinted towards your car to give you an unfair fine. <laughs> well, I'm sick as a straight white man have been persecuted. <laughs> um, let's get to some mail, shall we? If you want to send us a message, you can. You can go to tofop.com, which is our brand spanking new website, which houses not only it's this good. podcast, 
but a bunch of other great podcasts as well, including Philosophy, which is Will's highbrow chat show. There's Two Guys, One Cup, which is like this, with some uh, football-adjacent chat. There's Fofop, which is like this, but Will talking to a comedian, and a bunch of other great stuff. Um, but the best thing about it is if you go there, you can uh, sign up to our mailing list and get a first notice about upcoming events, announcements, podcasts, reviews, things like that. Um, and you can also send us a message by going to tofop.com. And this message is from Lucy. Uh, subject, The Living End. Hi, Will and Charlie. The first band I ever saw was The Living End in Cairns when I was 14. They were amazingly good. I've not seen them since and probably wouldn't again in the future, but that doesn't stop me from being outraged at Will's suggestion that no one goes to see them. That's my exact suggestion. Like you've, you've. This is not something to be outraged by. You've proved the very point I was fucking making. You went to see them as your first concert when you were fourteen, and despite the fact that you thought it was fucking awesome, you've never seen them again. You prove my point. I say, fuck you and lots of love, Lucy. <laughs> uh, Lauren writes in. Uh, subject line is red gum lyrics. Hello, beautiful people. I believe you're the only two clearly patriotic Aussies who can speak truth to our nation and tackle this sacred cow yeah. without receiving death threats from angsty mm-hmm. keyboard warriors. Red mm-hmm. Gum's song, I Was Only 19. So we've uh, done an episode on this, haven't we? Or we talked about it. We did a lyric, lyrics breakdown, I believe, in a, in a previous episode. I mean, probably. <laughs> How would I know? <laughs> in the Red Gum song, I Was Only 19, there is a line... And Frankie kicked a mine the day that mankind kicked the moon. God help me, he was going home in June. So poignant, such a tragedy. But the moon landing was in July 20, 1969. So Frankie was actually spared 11 more months of Vietnam hell, surely. I don't know how to feel about this song anymore. And if I raise the question personally, I think my fellow Australians will exile me to Christmas Island. Please help. Well, maybe, okay. no. Maybe more, Red Gum is more saying in those lyrics that he was meant to be going home in June. So he was already there a month longer than he'd meant to be there. Like uh, they yeah. told him he, he was going That's home in happened. June. He's ended up having to stay another month and he's died the day that mankind kicked the moon, which is what Buzz Aldrin did. Neil Armstrong stepped down and Buzz Aldrin got down there and was like, fuck you, moon. Fucking take some of this shit. This is mankind. Kick you, fucking moon. You stupid cheese face. Buzz. This is from Peter. Uh, Podcast questions. Hey, guys. I've been a fan of the podcast for years since deep diving into the latest edition to the cast of Home and Away and been a fan ever since. I have a couple of questions and thoughts for you that I hope aren't too boring. Number one, who would win in a fight to the death in a Mad Max world? Alf Stewart or Harold Bishop? The characters, not the actors. Uh, I think Alf Stewart would fuck up Harold Bishop. Uh, fictionally, Alf Stewart's a Vietnam vet, speaking of I was only 19. He's a, he's a, he's a veteran. Um, Harold Bishop, just a giant bowl of jelly, right? Yeah, but did survive being lost at sea. So you've got to take right. into account that he's cheated <clears throat> death already. So yeah, like but Alf, this is a Alf this is a fight to the death. Yeah, but here's what I'm saying: is Alf thinks he's killed Harold, but right. Harold reappears three years later. In, just like Smother, no, it's fine. smothers him with his double chin. With his double chin. On a previous cartoon, oh sorry, on a previous podcast, you've talked about crazy cartoons that are not suitable for children and. Remembered one called Inhumanoids. Found a clip for you guys to watch to see for yourselves how messed up it was to see as a kid. Uh, We'll look at that later. Charlie, on episode 304, you talked about getting sausage rolls pies in the UK from the bakery chain Greg's and how Brits must like them cold. As a Brit, I have to tell you, they saw you coming, mate. Of course we eat them warm, and you must have been going at the wrong times before they put out the fresh batches. Anyway, thanks for reading, and keep up the great work. I don't know if that is correct because I went to multiple Greggs and there were uh, there's there's two stores that I remember getting cold sausage rolls and cold pies and one is Preta Preta Porter and the other one is um, uh, Greggs. So if you can find someone to co- corroborate your allegations, Peter, that pies and sausage rolls in the UK are in fact warm, maybe I'll reconsider. But until then, I'm sticking to my guns. Well, I will say that I have gone to Preta Porter. Mm-hmm. And um, got like 
hot pastries, not necessarily like obviously not a pie or a sausage roll, but like hot some pastries. other types of really? hot pastries. I didn't know yeah. they had hot food yeah. there. So I think they, I, I think they did see you mm. coming. I think, I think, I think they're just going the fucking idiot Aussies here. Dumb. The guys from Predaporte were having a beer uh, with the guys from Greg's after work, and the, the guy from Greg's was like, oh, "I played the best prank on this stupid Aussie today." And then you wander into the Predaporte the next day, and the guy's like, "I can't believe my luck. Here he comes, cold sausage roll, sir. Well, just the way we like them. <laughs> when in London, I guess." Struth. Um, all right, this is like a Majesty the Queen. <laughs> I go, this is this, uh, this is a hundred percent steak pie, right? Because I guess I'm a bit of a beef eater. <laughs> uh, this is from Sebastian. The subject line is AI might be blackmailing you from the future. Hey boys. Massive fan of the show. Considering how much you guys talk about AI, I was wondering if either of you have heard about Roko's Basilic before. If not, strap yourself in because you are now potentially doomed to be tortured by AI. Have you heard of Roko's Basilic? Oh, Basilisk, sorry. No, neither of those. Basilic or Basilisk. Here is the gist from a YouTube video I watched. I probably messed up a lot of the ideas in this summary. In the future, an all-powerful super AI is created. It deems anyone who helped it to be created as good and anyone who didn't as bad and deserving of torture or death because they did not help in the advancement of the human race. Mm -hmm. So it's like an algorithm, I guess. An algorithm to sort out helpful people from bad. This AI is smart enough that it can run simulations to determine who helped and who didn't, all right? (laughs) Here's the catch. Because you are reading this email and now know of the existence of this concept, you are doomed to either devote your existence to helping this AI be created, which will spare you if it is eventually conceived, or suffer the consequences of choosing to brush it off. Why would that be the case? Here's the catch. Because you're reading this email and you know the existence of this concept, is this like The Ring? Because I've watched it, now I'm doing. I guess it is. Because like the AI might go, you did not know that you were meant to be in service of the great AI. So I'll let you off. So you're spared for being a... But you guys knew about it. Right. And you made the choice to not dedicate your lives to the service of the great AI. Okay, so... But it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Because if enough people believe that they need to be in service of the great AI, the great AI comes about from those people being in service of it in the first place. If not enough people are in service of it in the first place, it never comes into being like in the future. So I'm going to say, fuck the great AI and take my <laughs> take my chances. What's worse is that because this has been shared by people, uh, been shared and people keep learning about it, the chances of someone actually devoting time to making it happen out there oh. are ever growing. Keep up the good work. Well, heed my warning. As the number one advocate against the great AI, I would like to say heed my warning of just ignoring this and not giving your life in service to the great AI. Uh, Keep up the good work. Hope you guys don't kill Guild by the future AI. So do we. Um, That's it. Uh, If you want to support the show, check out our Patreon page. We're going to be throwing up a bonus episode this week uh, where we answer your Patreon questions. There's also a bunch of other great stuff, content, uh, comics up there, videos, heaps of really good, uh, interesting behind-the-scenes type fodder. So if you want to delve deeper into the world of Tofop and support us at the same time, go to patreon.com forward slash Tofop. There's a link on our website, which is tofop.com. Will, who's on philosophy this Speaking week? Speaking of um, supporting us, mm. um, I want to give a plug to James Fosdyke's Redbubble page. Oh, yes. There's new merchandise up there. There's a whole lot of really cool stuff, including a range of Purge Night merchandise which is cool. uh, really fucking cool stuff and I ordered a lot of so um, <laughs> you know I, get onto the Redbubble page I spoke to James uh, after the Purge Night artwork and I was like you realise now like Gemma wants to be an artwork and he's like well now the onus on you is to spark my imagination with a story involving Gemma <laughs> in the back of my mind I'm like alright I'm going to come up with yeah, it only took me 304 <laughs> episodes so good luck with that <laughs> Sorry, who's on philosophy this week, Will? Uh, okay, so um, there's a whole bunch of new episodes. So Celia Pacola came out on Friday. There's two hours of that. Um, Josh Zepps, who is, of course, the son, I believe, of Henry Zepps. Mother from and son. Mother and son. Um, bit of a famous Australian comedy family. But Josh is a really interesting thinker and um, 
he has a, um, a podcast called Uncomfortable Conversations. And we have a couple of uncomfortable conversations, but it was really fun. And I really like talking to Josh. And then uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, Katan Joshi, who's a, um, he was the guy I talked to in Oslo this morning, who uh, has written a new book all about climate change. Everything's oh, going to be fine, apparently. Yeah. So that's good news. And I, I mean, <laughs> I might have skimmed over some of the chapters, yeah. but I think that was the gist. And. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be talking to Australian cricket legend Matthew Hayden this week. So that one will come out in the next couple of weeks as well. But I'm talking to Matthew Hayden uh, on uh, Wednesday for uh, an episode to come out in the next fortnight or so. And I just want to plug uh, our footy podcast, Two Guys, One Cup. Look, even if you're not into football, I think you'll dig it. We've uh, hit upon a rich vein of uh, entertainment this year with fan fiction uh, written by our listeners. Uh, and there's even an animated uh, uh, fan fiction that went online yesterday, which I need to contact that guy and work out if we can get it on uh, our channels because it's, it's fucking brilliant. But I think if you just want more of this kind of stuff, uh, Two Guys, One Cup is not too far from TOEFOP. And uh, Fofop is back this week. So there's Holy an episode shit. that comes out. Well, actually, will have already come out by the time that you're hearing this. So uh, check the Fofop feed. Episode 300 of Fofop with Dave Anthony is up. And I am hoping that that will mean there are regular episodes of uh, Fofop coming out every Tuesday from now on. Sweet. I'm Jolly Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.